Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you to expert guests all in 60 minutes on this Tuesday, the 14th of December. I'm Nadine Blaney. You're in for a treat here for the full hour today. Gary Glover from Novus Capital, who yeah takes a look at things technically as well. I know a lot of you like that out there. And Kevin Robinson from Team Invest, very much on the fundamental side of the equation. So we'll see if we can get some agreement, perhaps a bit of disagreement, to keep things lively here on this program. Gary, first of all, how are you? Welcome. Yeah, yeah. excellent. Good. Nice yeah. to hear you're excellent. So we will feel like we're moving towards Christmas pretty fast, but still lots of corporate news out there. Yeah, two days of sunshine in Sydney, which is a bit of a rarity as well. Yeah, I wrote yeah. home about it, trust me. <laughs> All right, and Kevin, how are you traveling there at Team Invest? Very well, very well, thank you, Nadine. Is it been busy uh, yeah, we going had into our... Christmas? Yes, oh, definitely, as always. You know what Christmas is like. We had our Team Invest meeting here in Melbourne yesterday, which was very good. Uh, Mark Moreland is back from the States, so he made an appearance. It was good to see him again. I'm sure you guys are mulling over plenty of ideas. Let's see if we get any of them from this program. Look, I've got to say, I was a bit spoiled for choice today when it came to stock of the day. I was thinking Woolworths at first because, of course, it's getting smashed after it gave that food update. But the consensus was, uh, and then I thought, oh, maybe Miso Blast. But boy, that's a roller coaster at the best of times. So I settled on Poly Novo because today, marking a record second quarter of sales in the United States, up more than 130% at 4.66 million compared to the same period last year. The market is loving the news with shares making a real positive run this morning, up by 11.5%. So yeah, in the spirit of the upcoming holiday season, I thought let's go with something that's going for gold today. So what do our experts think of Polynovo. Gary, I'll start with you here with me in studio. Yeah, it looks quite good actually. Um, look, the big thing with this stock is that it's, uh, it's got a billion dollar market cap and it only um, had $29.3 million in revenue last year. So not much revenue there going forward here. So that's, that's the downside is that there's definitely some risk there with it being, the, you know, there's no earnings there. Uh, I think break even last year, but uh, this is a business that's growing really quickly. So um, I think the revenue is up, you know, 50, 70% last year. I think it's forecast to grow well, more than double this year. Um, and yeah, consensus is still got some pretty strong growth moving ahead here. The, the update obviously um, today is obviously positive. The, the thing about COVID has it's actually stopped a lot of these sort of medical businesses from getting on because mm -hmm. um, of the restrictions in hospitals and operations, procedures, and you know, so th things like, think about like Ramsey Healthcare is being restricted. Um, so there's some good, there's some good underlying um, momentum here and that sort of saying, okay, well, some of the, obviously the hospitals now are starting to open up globally and Polynova and some of the other biotechs are probably can, can start getting on with business here. So that's probably the most positive aspect here is 
not so much the, the sales growth, it's the fact that business is open again for mm -hmm. some of these biotechs. So um, interesting technically, if you actually look at the stock for the last few years, 2019 low, they're around about $1.25, I think uh, 2020 low, around about $1.30, just come back to 140 so big, Big technical level actually mm -hmm. bounced off of here, so quite important zone here. So looks looks quite good here, I think, just because I think it'll it's a stock that's got some really growth ahead of it. Even though you got to put aside that a billion dollar market cap and the small revenue line, but this is a company which will grow its revenue line pretty substantially in the next few years. So it'll have some positive momentum because uh, if hospitals start sort of to reopen here and um, yeah, and then these guys are you know they they're growing the headcount, sales count the you know, lots of new products coming on stream. So I think it's a stock that can get some momentum here as well. So um, yeah, I do like it. it looks, looks like a buy here to me. It's a buy from yeah. Gary Glover at Novus Capital. So yeah, COVID did constrain growth, Kevin, for this company. Um, look, we've got Macquarie for one, very positive about the medium term. It's actually got a $2.85 price target on the stock, but there's no denying that it is a competitive space. What it does is you know, these polymers that can be used to treat wounds and used in surgical uh, scenarios. But, um, it, you know, you've got to presume that there will be others in the space that could be competitors. Is the lack of profitability just enough to, you know, make it fail the team invest filters? Uh, yes, well, I'd have to say uh, it's, it is the lack of profitability. They've, they've never made a profit. Uh, it's one of those businesses which we come across every now and then, which you think, you know, I hope they succeed. I hope they do really well because, and they have certainly, obviously, been uh, having sales and boosting their sales, getting their product out because it looks like a, a great product. Um, it's biodegradable. They say it's biodegradable as well. Um, so obviously, some of the newer technology um, that's in line with the way the world is going. But yes, as you say, Nadine, it hasn't made a profit. Um, when it starts making a profit and has a history of, of profits and good profit growth, um, then it may well come into our filters. Um, but until then, we'll keep it, keep it, keep an eye on it. Um, and uh, we would have to say uh, it's a speculative stock from our point of view. Thank you. So that is not going into the Ausbiz portfolio, but uh, Gary Glover likes it. Let's get to some of the companies that have been nominated. By you, our viewers, thank you for doing so as well. If you'd like to, you can email us at thecall at osbiz.com.au. The first on the list for Finn is Wagner's. WGN is the ticker code. So we've had um, not a lot of questions on Wagner's, I've got to say, coming to us through the, the sort of the email. Uh, what do you think about this holding? It's a, you know, it's not a very big company. It's a small cap, Gary. Um, recently won a haulage contract for the MacArthur River mine in Mount Isa. So it is exposed to the construction sector activity, particularly up in Queensland. Yeah, also got a bit of an eco-friendly sort of uh, approach as well. So they do like um, sort of composite fibre, earth-friendly sort of concrete. So they're kind of moving to that ethical investing sort of, uh, sort of sphere. Um, yeah, it's some sort of concrete process that, um, you know. Yeah, you've got a few different processes and a few different products in there. Yeah. But yeah, definitely sort of trying to head down that um, more ethical investing sort of avenue, which um, has become more popular. You um, sound very cynical when you uh, say that. Well, it's just, no. Well, I mean, look, there's, there's some businesses that, that lend itself to that. So um, yeah, it's interesting there. I mean, look, they're actually projecting pretty strong growth for Wagner, so the next couple of years. So. Mm -hmm. 
those sort of uh, eco-friendly products are actually getting some traction. Mm -hmm. So it's all good to talk about being friendly, but it's all about the actions. So if you're actually selling the products and they're effective, and then um, then that's 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 the sort of proof in the pudding. So w Wagner's is definitely getting some traction there. Um, the thing I like about it, apart from money being 307 mil market cap, is that 46% um, of the stock is held by insiders. So um, there's some real skin in the game there from management. So like, they own almost half the shares. So I love that. Mm -hmm. I love, love to see sort of, um, you know, the, typically some of the strongest performing stocks is, is when the, the founders are, are big holders. So that's definitely the case here. Um, just look on the chart there. Technically, it's come back to that this, this 156 zone is about the 50% retracement from the low. Um, so that's a bit of a key zone here. To me, it looks like it wants to go a little lower to me, possibly back to 130 or maybe even 140. So, um, but yeah, I, I, this is a stock I'd be looking at here around 140. The, there is one big negative for the stock. It has been in a downtrend for um, about three or four years now, the stock, but possibly this sort of change in direction here eco-friendly products which are getting a bit of traction um, and definitely sort of there's there is um, consensus is pretty bullish about their um, their growth here the next couple of years so it's definitely one to sort of keep an eye on and see how they're progressing so you would wait for some sort of a upgrade to come through and then um yeah it's on about 26 p at the moment so a little pricey okay. um so if you look at the growth that's yeah. probably not um it's only about 17 times sort of, um, but I just think you might actually get it. I think that technically it looks like it's gonna come back to at least 140. Okay. So I think you're, you're, you're about to buy the stock a bit lower here around 140. And that, that, that might be a really good buy down there, so yeah. Okay, so put that on the watch list. What do you think about Wagner's there, Kevin? Yes, I, I have to agree with Gary. We love uh, skin in the game by the management and the founders. Um, so that that's a plus for it. Uh, it wouldn't meet our, our filters, obviously. Uh, it doesn't have a long enough history uh, as a listed company. Um, so that, that's it. And also it's uh, return on equity and uh, return on capital are below our 10% requirement. The debt is a bit high for us as well. So it's one of those uh, wait and see what it does in the future for us in terms of fundamentals. Uh, I, I also agree with Gary that the, the uh, PE is a little high, and we, we were discussing this, in fact, yesterday, um, that uh, companies that have uh, or are perceived to have uh, what we call a noble purpose, so in this case, as uh, as Gary's saying, the um, eco-friendly uh, kind of ESG-type investing, if they're perceived to have a noble purpose, then they do tend to trade on higher PEs. So that's something to always watch out for for businesses, and uh, you know I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a noble purpose, certainly if it's genuine, is is a good thing as far as investing is concerned. But yes, not for us right at this stage. Wagner's WGN that was for Finn. Now let's sort of stick in the space, relatively speaking, with Adbri. ABC is the ticker code. I actually don't have the name of who this is for, my apologies. Uh, but it is in the building and construction materials space. So I might stick with you, Kevin, on this one. Um, look, it's seen a bit of weather impact up in Queensland, concrete demand and a runoff in Lyme as expected. But it is making strategic changes to the business and uh, looks to, to really tap into that infrastructure play as well. A bit of, uh, again, those Lyme volume reductions going into the Alcoa uh, business possibly impacting going forward. What do you make of Adbri? It's been around a long time. You can't say it hasn't been listed. 
No, that is true, absolutely. And in fact, it was one of our uh, shares that we looked at uh, a number of years ago. Um, it, uh, and one of the things we like is the skin in the game uh, from the family. Obviously, they've got good skin in the game. Um, they did have, uh, again, a number of years ago, they had a few uh, sort of board problems, a bit of arguments and stuff. And uh, yeah, that, that kind of, we lost lost a little bit of interest because of that, because we don't, we don't like that. But then at the moment, uh, their return on equity and return on capital is a bit too low for us. Um, and they've been going down the return on equity and the earnings per share have been going down over the last few years. So from that point of view, it's not of interest. If, uh, if they do manage to turn around in the infrastructure, then um, yes, uh, I think you know, it could come back onto our radar because uh, all, all the other aspects of it are, are looking quite reasonable. So it may be one for us in the future. Is it on your watch list or would you be buying, holding or selling this one, Gary? Um, definitely be watching it here. I mean, it's, um, look, the volumes are up obviously uh, versus a year ago, but costs are up. So like a lot of the businesses, you know, supply chain issues, costs increases are coming forward. So it's kind of negating that for Adbury. So um, interesting actually, the chart's very similar to Wagner's chart actually, that um, the price here at 280 is, um, that's about 50% retracement from the from the um, 2020 low. So it got down to like 175, went to high of 386, mm -hmm. and it's come back to this 280 is bang on the 50% retracement. It's exactly exactly same for Wagner's. Um, but yeah, we're on about 15, 15 and a half times here. So maybe slightly on the pricey side there, could come off a little bit lower here, but all the broker vales are all sitting higher. So 290 is the lowest broker vale I found from Credit Suisse. And then some of them go up to like mid, 350s, 380, $4 here. So most of the broker valuations are sitting on the high side here. It's just, yeah, I mean, it should, infrastructure spend should be pretty up there for the next sort of mm -hmm. year or two. So it should be a robust sector. But I think everyone's just a little concerned about uh, cost pressures and inflation. So, yeah, it's probably, just want to keep an eye on here. It, it could well be a buy here, but uh, in this market here, it might come slightly lower here. Maybe that, you know, comes back down to maybe something. What would be a magical? Price you could think you get in it. 255 is probably the like from a charting point of view, that's the sort of 61.8 level, and that just sort of puts it a little deeper in the range. But it, it might hold here. This could be, you know, it's pretty close here, so um, it's definitely one stock I'll be keeping an eye on for sure. Okay, there you go. That's Adbry number two on the list. Moving right along, let's get to number three. This is for Irvin. Now, Irvin does give us some context, so. Now's a good time for my daily reminder that this is information only and it's not for your personal circumstances, Irvin, if you just keep that in mind. We'll discuss BHP because he's saying when he looks at the usual statistics, it looks encouraging. Yield 9.6%, PA 7.46%, ROE 33%, debt to equity only 42%. Wondering if it sounds too good to be true. He wants to rush out, he says, and buy as much as he can afford, except it's calculated on their income when iron ore prices were twice as much as I suppose when he wrote to us on the 8th of December. So what are your opinions for realistic expectations of income, yield, price, etc. for BHP? And then getting to the crux of the matter, is it a buy, hold or sell? Kevin, I'll start with you on this one because Irvin's obviously done his research on ROE and PE and yield as well. It's been a big year for BHP, unification of the business uh, back here to Australia petroleum demerger, we've got 
the, uh, the sale of the thermal coal operations and expansion into some other parts of the market, perhaps you can call them more future-focused parts of the market. So given all that, how do you view BHP? Yes, BHP, I mean, who doesn't know BHP? Um, the, one of the other things is they recently announced uh, a, a joint uh, venture with Woodside to establish what they call a global energy uh, group which is interesting because a lot of the old uh, petroleum businesses and the pure petroleum like uh, Shell and so forth are all moving to take advantage of renewable energy and to uh, reposition themselves as energy companies in total. So it looks like BHP and Woodside are doing the same sort of thing or looking to do the same sort of thing. Interestingly, it does pass our filters at the moment. Um, as you know, though, Nadine, we don't often uh, look at miners in depth. The problem with miners, from our point of view, is uh, it is very capital intensive and they've always got uh, depleting uh, assets. So they have to basically work very, very hard uh, just to make something happen. And uh, as uh, your viewer has said, um, conditions have been very good for them up until now. Looking forward, you have to make an assessment as to what you think might happen to all of their commodity prices because they are a commodity uh, company, obviously. And that's the other thing that uh, counts mind, counts us against miners or we don't often look at miners is because they have no pricing control if they're uh, purely subject to commodity markets. So uh, we can't be assured we can't be confident that in five years time their earnings per share will be materially higher than they are now. Um, so that's our view on BHP is we don't really look at it. I would say um, yes, be, for me I would be very cautious uh, in view of the fact that it has been on very good results in the past and, and it is a commodity company. Thank you. Gary? What do you say to Irvin, who is feeling like he wants to rush out and buy as much as he can afford of BHP? It is too good to be true. It is too good. Okay. So typically, so uh, the resource sort of uh, base stocks there, once they're on paying massive dividends and low PEs, that is often a sign of their top of cycle. So if we go back historically and look at every time they've been super profitable um, and the PEs have gotten really low, too good to be true, and the, and the dividends, too good to be true, it's usually been top of the cycle for commodities. So we've already seen iron ore price come off quite a bit, so that's mm -hmm. going to impact earnings for a lot of miners there. Seeing quite a bit of movement in some of the commodities as well, so just got to keep an, an eye on that. So the one observation I'll make about BHP is that every time that I've sort of seen it have a, like a really large decline, so we've just gone from $54 down to $36, that's a pretty, pretty sharp mm -hmm. leg down. If we go back and look at 2008, 2011, 2014, when we got a big first leg down there, like technically, um, the, there was usually, or there was in those cases, another leg down. Okay. So we got a bit of a bounce here. I mean, I, I actually bought some at 36 here, mm -hmm. for a few clients, but a bit of a trade here. So I've traded out of my 40 skew and I've traded out of my BHP already. I'm still along a few Rio. So you've sold. I've already sold here because I just- And you I've, got in at 37, I've, you said. I view this as a bit of a trading bounce here. Okay. Just from looking at, looking at charts and historicals, um, there's always a bit of a, they call it a B wave, there's always a bit of a bounce in mm -hmm. between before you get another leg down. So I view sort of BHP, Fortescue and Rio 
they're all probably, once they finish this bounce, they're all probably gonna come back and retest the lows and probably go slightly lower. So a lot of the damage is done on this first leg down. So the next leg is not gonna be as big, but normally sort of, I think in all those cases, 2008, 2011, 2014, so Urban Gun, look at, if you can get a chart, go and look at those, those first legs down. They were all pretty decent moves down. They all bounced and they all went sort of, uh, had another leg down, went lower. So just, just gonna be careful there. We've already seen some, some fundamental reasons as to why the earnings won't be as robust here moving forward. Um, so a couple more of those commodity prices do start to decline and definitely will impact there and they, will, they won't be as profitable. So it means that the earnings will be lower there. And if you already look at consensus, um, consensus is already looking for a lower earnings here in 23. So uh, I think about 18, 19% lower than, than um, 22. Mm. So most of brokers are, are forecasting a little bit of a drop off in earnings here. So yeah, so you just gotta, that's why sometimes the, the numbers don't sort of speak for themselves. And some businesses are, are cyclical. So I mean, banking's fairly, fairly stable. A lot of industrials are fairly stable. They, they, they might sort of swing up and down slightly, but the mining is really cyclical. So mm -hmm. it'll be a boom and bust sort of cycle. So um, yeah, so just be cautious there. There you go, Irvin. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's get on to number four on the list. This is for Mandy. Hi, Mandy. Hum is what you'd like to know about. HUM, don't have any context here. But uh, reading through some of the broker notes, one thing that they appreciated, or a couple of them appreciated in the last update we got from the company is that it set these medium-term targets uh, for more than 100 million in net profit, cash, and a reduction in the cost to income ratio to less than 40%. So it really wants to double the volumes and net average receivables over the medium term. But Gary, it's in BNPL, it never soared to the same degree as some of the other BNPL names, yeah. not considered sort of tier one. Lots of people talking about a bubble bursting in that, uh, in that buy now, pay yeah. later space. So when you put that together with the fact that HUM has been profitable, it has been relatively an underperformer, could it be sort of the, the dark, dark horse of this? It's, it's a funny one, HUM, because HUM was the only profitable um, buy now, pay later yeah. stock previously. But then the last year, the sort of hum sort of transformed itself. So it had all these, you know, 30, 40 different yeah. brands out there. So try to sort of um, centralize it into only have a couple of key brands. Um, but with that competition in the space as well, sort of the margin, they've sort of probably gone for lower margins as well. So trying to go for volume. So um, they've sort of gone from being the only profitable um, to now sort of falling into the non-profitable like everyone else, but chasing the the revenue and the volume. So their volumes and revenue actually line is growing quite nicely. Um, but they've given away the profitability by to do so. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a double shot. But look, the good thing is I do think this will be a business that will sort of stand up over time here. So when the buy now, pay later sort of um, boom and bust cycle is, is, is eventuated, I think HUM will come out the other side sort of stronger and be one of the sort of uh, stronger businesses, that, you know, uh, just because they've sort of been a long sort of standing profitable group. Yeah, because um, they were um, credit. Oh, they've oh. sort of got more sort of business to business sort yeah. of, um, yeah. I just forgot their name. It was something to do with credit, but yeah, rebranded. Well, we had like home. 30 different names. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> yeah, so, Thank you, thanks yeah. Gary. <laughs> but um, but I, I look, the interesting thing is that um, Hum is looking to double its volumes over the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. So if they do, double the volumes, then um, they will get back into, you know, quite profitable uh, situations. So to me, it's probably one to have, yeah, probably one of the safer buy now, pay later stocks in it. It's just, just strange that they've sort of gone down a different path here after the cycle's probably mm -hmm. come off here. So I think they're paying the price for that, but 
still a good, probably one of the better businesses, I think, in that sector. Is it a buy? Yeah, I mean, look, the hum's only on the PE of like seven. So, yeah, I think it is probably a buy here. Thank you. What about you, Kevin? Uh, hum does have a long history. It did rebrand, obviously. It uh, does, and you, it did. Yeah, t talk to us about Hum and, and how you view it. Um, yes, well, it, it, uh, briefly, it doesn't make our filters. I think some of the brands you were looking for were Easy Pay and Flexi Rent, yes. which are some of the a couple of the brands. Flexi Group, that, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Flexi Group. It used to be Flexi Group, yes, mm -hmm. and they've rebranded. And as as Gary says, they've been consolidating their brands. Um, and yes, in this in this area, they are uh, unusually profitable. They are, they are profitable. For us, the net profit margin, uh, the not the net profit margin, sorry, the return on equity and return on capital is too low. The debt's very high, but being a finance group, um, that's not necessarily a problem because obviously as a finance group, uh, the debt doesn't necessarily come into it. They're more, more like a bank in that sense. They borrow money to lend it on. Um, they have a, a phrase, no interest ever. So that's obviously their consumer side uh, where, um, you know, they're trying to do this uh, no interest type lending. And as Gary says, focusing more on commercial moving into that sort of area. Uh, so for us, it, it doesn't meet our measures at this stage. Um, I do agree with Gary that in this space of buy now, pay later, uh, they're well positioned to come out the other end um, strongly, uh, given that most of the others, if not all of the others, are uh, are not profitable. That so kind of us right now. There you go. Um, Mandy, take that into consideration. Next on the list for Carl, AMH Ensel. It is a fund manager. Essentially, its portfolio is comprised of between 30 and 40 companies covering large and small companies in Australian and New Zealand equity markets. Look, I had to look it up. So that is the official line coming from Ansel itself. What do you make of it, Kevin? Yes, they sound a little bit like us from what they say in the sense they're long-term investors and they, they're, they're focused on the fundamental quality companies and, and uh, relatively small portfolio. Although having a look at, at, at some of the companies they've invested in, um, there's not a great deal of overlap with the ones that, uh, that we look at and that come up on our, our triages. We, uh, for us, there, there are a number of, uh, or a few at least, uh, investment management companies uh, that pop up on our filters. And for us, this one, again, it's return on equity and return on capital are too low for us. So uh, for us, there would be others that we would uh, look at in preference. Their, again, their return on equity and return on capital has also been trending down over the last few years. And uh, they've been, uh, their shares on issue have been growing. So it looks to me like they've been uh, hitting up their shareholders for, for more funds. So uh, yes, I'd have to say for us, it doesn't meet our requirements. It's also on a very high PE. I make it about 56, 57 uh, on our historical PE range. So uh, yes, it wouldn't, wouldn't be one that, that I think I personally would be interested in. And I don't think many of our members would either. That is a no. Would you sell it if you were in it? For me, if mm -hmm. I had it, I believe I would sell it at this stage. There you go. Carl, I'm not sure if you're a holder or not, but that is the view from Team Invest. Let's get the view from Novus Capital. It's funny, I actually had to look it up as well, uh, which is strange because <laughs> it actually is a diversified financial, So, and we've kind of been losing them as well yeah. on the market. So yeah, you feel, feel like them, you should know them all. Yeah, so I feel them being sort of taken over. So actually, I'm always on the lookout for sort of some that, you know, because it's not a bad place to 
potentially part if if you're finding it too hard to sort of pick individual stocks and you just want to get it uh, a little bit of market weight mm -hmm. in there or something. Um, but it depends on their sort of outlook. I looked at their holdings there. So CSL 8%, Main Freight 7.3%, which is a New Zealand stock. BHP 5%, Macquarie, West Farmers, Transurban, Woolworths. So GMG, so it's sort of pretty heavy sort of in the top sort of tier. So it's, so it's a fairly vanilla. Yeah, it's uh, the kind of stuff that a lot of a yeah. investors you might already actually already have them in yeah. your portfolio already. So you kind of probably for that reason, you may be doubling up in terms of your portfolio. So look, not, not the worst investment there. I, I actually, um, I personally bought some Magellan on Friday. I, I just sort of Did thought- you, I, Yeah. On price? Yeah, I just thought, I just noticed that sort of, that 29 sort of dollar range there was sort of the 2017, 2018 high. That was, and it's also come back and had a massive classic sort of ABC correction as well. I just saw that sort of uh, the last leg was sort of more emotional around what was happening with personal life rather yes. than a business life. Yes. And um, so, yeah, just uh, I think that's a, you know, that's probably got more legs here than I, I would look at something, something like that rather than Amstel personally. Yeah. Can I just, sorry, I missed it. What did you buy Magellan at on Friday? 29.10. Okay. So I just think it's pretty, you know, look, I sort of got a bit of a starting parcel. Yeah. Uh, I didn't buy my full parcel, probably about half of what I really want to own just because just I think it's, don't like sort of, you know, don't like sort of catching a falling knife sometimes, but it just technically looks like a pretty good zone there. And um, I sort of did, did sort of, you know. Would you be buying today? It's up by three quarters of a percent. And this will be our bonus buy today. Um, <laughs> it's sitting at 29.78. Would you be buying? Yeah, again? I think on the 29.50 is probably, that's the, that's the area that I think is pretty key here, sort of um, technically. So, yeah, I mean, there's no reason the stock can't bounce back to $36, $38 here. So, um, but yeah, I think, that's, I think it's really interesting. Uh, Magellan, I think um, the first part was, you know, it was overpriced. Mm -hmm. Second part was all, all about the, the whole complicated restructure was hard for shareholders mm -hmm. to get their heads around. And the last part down the, the last month was all about more emotional. And that's, that's sort of like, everyone's just sort of getting out because they think, oh, the guy's mm -hmm. going, through, going through a divorce. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, you often say you, make a, you don't make good decisions, but this is a massive business. There's lots of people you know, in the decision process, there's lots of, you know, get the annuity, international, Aussie, there's, it's not... Baron Joey. Not a one-trick sort of pony here, so I think it's a good business, so, yeah. All right, well, that is Magellan. That is your bonus buy for today, courtesy of Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Hey, we are halfway through the program, so let's just take a bit of a breather and find out what we've learned so far. So I'll go back in my notes. And the stock of the day was Polynovo. It is a buy for Gary Glover from Novus Capital. He says, technically, it looks good. Now, the downside is that it's got a $1 billion market cap, $129 million in revenue, but it has been COVID impacted. It's on the watch list uh, for the guys at Team Invest, but it is specky. And again, it's not profitable, so it's really difficult uh, for Kevin to, to back it in any meaningful way. Wagner's was the first on the list for Finn, and it was a watch and wait for Gary Glover. He's watching that eco-friendly story that seems to be gaining traction and he likes that 46 percent of the company is held by insiders he likes the skin in the game but he's watching for a lower price which could be achievable around one dollar and forty is where gary is looking again it's a wait and see for the guys at team invest loves the skin in the game scenario not a long enough history being listed and return on equity below that 10 percent requirement ad again it's a no for kevin at team invest he says return on equity, earnings per share, both going down over the past few years, and that is a red flag. 
It's a watch and wait, though, again, for Gary. He sort of draws a parallel to what the chart looks like between Wagner's and Adbry. Um, but he notes that all the brokers have higher price targets than where it is right now. It's been hit by cost supply chain issues. Um, so look, $2.55, I think is what you said from a charting point of view. So we will keep our eye on that for Adbry. BHP, Gary says, if it looks too good to be true, it is too good to be true. He says that they have hit the top of the cycle. Um, often you see a bounce and a retest of the lows before going lower. So he would not be buying BHP. Urban, don't go out in his view and buy as much as you can afford. And Team Invest agrees they generally avoid miners, even though BHP does pass its filters at this time. Boy, it's hard to get a buy from Team Invest, isn't it? Tum is an avoid. <laughs> Return on equity is too low. It uh, just doesn't meet the measures. It doesn't uh, get it's it just doesn't meet their strict criteria. Um, it's a buy though for Gary Glover. It is chasing revenue and volumes. Perhaps that has come at the expense of profitability right now. But he reminds people that it was profitable in the past, and he thinks that it is a business that will stand the test of time. So that's a buy from Gary Glover. To Amsil, it's a no for Team Invest. Uh, it's it's a sell wouldn't be investing in the company at all. It is not a buy for Gary either, but he has been kind enough to tell you that he bought Magellan last week. He will still buy it um, at $1.73 where it sits today. So that is a bit of a bonus for you. That takes us to the portfolio. This is one we've been tracking since July 1st of last year. Thanks to NAB Trade. All the stocks that get a two thumbs up. Those are thanks to our guests or a buy from both of our experts go into the portfolio. If a company that's already in the portfolio, because quite a lot of them are, comes up again, it needs to receive a unanimous hold or buys, whatever, it just can't be sold or else it is taken out of the portfolio. So here's how we're performing weekly. We are up by 2.8%, monthly 2.3%, year to date 8.4% higher. But we have been running this portfolio since July 1st of 2020. And over that time period, we're up by 46%. Last week, we added Ebos Group and Adairs was added recently. There's Magellan, as we were just discussing. Genworth Mortgage was added and Adore Beauty. But we've recently taken out Ingham's, Atomos, Bapcor, and Harvey Norman. Check it out at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. All right. Let's get to number six on the list. Kevin, I'm giving you a bit of a heads up. I will be coming to you first. This is for Sean. Uh, look, it's in the retail space. We know that stores have been closed. We know that Kathmandu has been impacted by some of those store closures. You can talk supply chain pressures. Uh, but, of course, we're reopening and a lot of people will be spending more time outdoors. I wonder, Kevin, in your view, if Kathmandu, because of its, its product line, could be one of those companies that could actually keep margins in an inflationary environment because it can pass them along to their customers. What do you think? Yes, Nadine, that's entirely possible. Um, it, uh, it, it's one of those stores I, I love because I like 
doing outdoor activities as well. I used to go camping quite a lot, and I do enjoy the great outdoors. Uh, it's one of those uh, shops that I love, just wandering around, looking at the equipment, and you know, imagining what I might want to buy and use. Um, in terms of our filters, it doesn't pass our filters at this stage. Uh, it has done in the past. Um, we haven't looked at it in any great depth. Um, but it has passed our filters in the past. But uh, at the moment, uh, return on equity is below the 10%, and as is return on capital. The um, return on equity is, is all over the place at the moment. So the stability of growth of return on equity is, is not strong. Um, yes, perhaps in the future uh, it might, with recovery, whatever the new normal is, um, perhaps it might come out uh, strongly once things settle down a bit. And yes, as you say, it does have a certain amount of pricing power because it's uh, it's got commodity or goods, I should say, not commodities, but it's got goods that uh, people are willing to pay extra for, for good quality, um, you know, camping gear and, and outdoors activity, generally activity gear. So yes, not for us to look at right now, um, but I'll keep an eye on it, certainly. Uh, Gary, do you worry about wages when you think of a company like Hatman's here as well? Uh, well, the last update there, the 9th of uh, November there, I think uh, Ripco was off 9.4% and Kathmandu was off 17.6% sort of um, in terms of the revenue line. That was quite substantial for the 13 weeks prior to that. So that's a bit of a negative really. Um, I know there's some lockdowns in there, obviously um, some good reasons for that. But um, yeah, I mean, we're on about 16 times current earnings, maybe 12 times if we get a bit of growth there. but. You know, I, I do worry about some of the headwinds there. Um, I think, um, I think, I think, you know, the cost of everything's going up at the moment, so you're gonna have to sort of try and pass that on there. It might impact, you know, future sales as well if everything's a little bit more pricey. So, I expect everything to cost a little bit more next year. Um, so, I think the inflation argument is already over. I don't think. Uh, yeah. I think it's you know, it's here to stay. I, I, you know, it's just sort of how high. Well, is it here to stay really high or is it here to stay moderately high? That's the question. So, um, but I think just from the pricing point of view, I noticed the stock went to a new high recently and failed and then started to sort of head down since then. So when I look at the chart here to me, everything tells me it wants to go back to 120. So it's, that's a bit lower here. So um, I wouldn't touch it here. Um, I think the stock's probably gonna go lower here, at least down to 120, if not a little bit lower. 120, if it did hit 120, what would you need to see before it would be a buy? You would need to see another update, trading update coming from the company? Yeah, I'd just be curious just to sort of what happened, what's happened with the retailers. Obviously, they're going to have an okay Christmas here, but the last update is not so positive there. I've got my concerns about the macro for next year as well, costs and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you know, to be honest with you, it's going to have to be, it's going to be a hard sell for me to, to get involved in here in the next 12 months. Got it. Thank you. Let's get to Seven Group. This is for Peter. Hi, Peter. Now we've got a bit of detail talking about Seven um, having a majority control of Boral. Boral now divesting its North American business, its Flyash business most recently, um, and will be returning capital sh to shareholders, including its majority shareholder, Seven Group. Uh, but Peter's questioning why we haven't seen a re-rating in the share price on the back of this news. So the question is why, I guess not, and uh, what the outlook is for Seven Group, SVW. Kevin Robinson, Team Invest, can I start with you? Certainly. Um, in terms of 
why we haven't seen a re-rating, we our view is in terms of share price, that's determined by the market and uh, very, very difficult to predict. So I don't have an answer to that question, unfortunately, I don't think. Maybe Gary, from a technical point of view, might be able to say something on that. Um, yes, in for us, it doesn't match our filters. The return on equity is good. That's uh, a good above a 10% requirement. Uh, the return on capital, though, is below 10%, um, and their debt is too high for us. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when they return the capital what happens there. Um, again, the stability of their earnings, it's been up and down over the last few years. So for us, it's not, it, it uh, yeah, it's basically not one that most of our members would look at. It doesn't come up on our triages, and it, 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 hasn't, it, hasn't, it doesn't pass our filters at this stage. Thank you. Gary, what do you think technically when you look at Seven Group? Look, the, probably one of the reasons why it hasn't been re um, um, or upgraded there is mm -hmm. that oftentimes when you do make a big acquisition like that, you normally sort of, um, your market wants to have a little bit of a look uh, and see whether you bet it down appropriately. So um, make sure the synergies are there. So because um, sometimes you, um, the synergies may not be there straight away. They might, they might come down the, down the track. Um, so I probably want to see proof that this is going to be. So it's 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 getting a complicated business now. We've sort of got Coates, Westrack, and Borrell, and then you've got what I mean, Seven West is out there but buying. It's sort of a conglomerate. I, I think that's yeah. what they're going for. Yeah. So it's sort of different. You know, I mean, even like I mean, Seven West Media now they've got the Prime, and then Southern Cross yeah. did bought Rays. You know, so it's yeah. Well, they invested. They took a small stake. Yeah, in yeah. Look, a lot I, of that's advertising. I don't mind Rays, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just sort of weird. The sort of some of the acquisitions, sort of the, the lanes they're going in. So. Uh, Look, it's not expensive here. It's on about 13 times uh, 22 earnings. And then I think their forecast to grow earnings around about just under 12% next year. So that puts it on around about 12 times. So for a construction sort of stock, that's about the right price. So that's probably not bad buying there. Just technical picture doesn't look that great to me, but it's gotten messy here. So the daily sort of range is, is mid-range. The weekly range is probably sitting pretty high, but... Um, just, I just think this. The market wants to sort of have a look a bit more. Wants to see a bit more evidence that they're going to bed this down. And um, but, I think you know, the, uh, infrastructure spenders sort of forecast to grow seven percent next twelve months. So that should be pretty good for all their businesses. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So I understand the question. There's, there's probably um, some good um, reasons as to why the stock can go higher as well. So, but I just think it's probably just needs to be bed down a bit more. Wants to be sort of proof there. So. Market just wants to make sure because they're pretty big, and as Kevin sort of pointed out, there's a bit of debt there as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you yeah, don't they really had to pay up to get yeah, that so majority you, stake of Yeah, so you don't want to. If things tighten up a little bit and you're highly geared, then it puts the balance sheet on a bit more pressure mm -hmm. than you really want. So, um, so you wouldn't be interested in in Seven West. I just don't price. see it. Yeah, as a standout here. I think oftentimes when you sort of make these big acquisitions, the benefits are not seen in the in the twelve months following it, it's usually seen maybe the in year two or three. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe the, the stock might be in Sidewaysville for the next 12 months. Yeah. Welcome to Sidewaysville, yeah. Seven Group in Gary's view. All right, <laughs> let's get on to points bet because this has been a pretty hot property this year. You know, lots of news flow around points bet. And uh, I guess the most recent was that it was awarded a New York sports betting license, a 10 year license. And so it's making its way into that lucrative, potentially US market, um, bringing the best of Australian betting overseas, I guess you could say. This is a question for RJ. Um, 
Let me think. I don't think PointsBet's been around long enough for Team Invest to have a view. No, no, it hasn't. Um, I like I like the sideways bill. I'll have to use that term. I like that, Gary. Thanks. Uh, if I can borrow that. Um, I always remember uh, when Benjamin Graham was asked about what the share market price, you know, what the share market is going to do. He said, I know exactly what it's going to do. It'll go, it'll either go up or it'll go down or it'll go sideways. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I might use that. So uh, yes, you're quite right. So going to go up or down or sideways? Yeah, and or sideways. It will, I, definitely, I think the share price will go up or down or sideways. One of them or all of them. Um, yes, and as you say, Nadine, uh, it, it doesn't have the history for us and it's not made a profit. Um, so obviously return on equity, return on capital is negative at the moment and uh, appears from the charts to be going down. Um, yeah, that's about all I can say on it. I mm. suppose their uh, issued shares have been going up a lot uh, over, the, over the history of, of being listed. So it looks like they've been uh, hitting up their shareholders for more money. Um, again, that's something that we prefer not to see unless unless it's for a good reason. Um, and given they haven't been making, making a profit, uh, it doesn't really pass our filters. Gary, if you bought in at the beginning, you're still ahead quite a bit. But, uh, you know, the high that I can see here was in February, about February 15th of this year. And it's been pretty much going down since then. So That's is right, this yeah. sort of a downgrade cycle? When's that going to end? What are you seeing in the charts? Yeah, look, the, look it's an interesting business here. We've sort of, we've gone from uh, what, 25 and a half mil in 19 revenue yeah. to 75 and 20. So almost triple the revenue in, um, in, in 2020. Then it's gone to 194 in, in 21. So more than, again, more than double again. So the revenue line's growing beautifully. So, but, <laughs> but this is a big but is that, um, Recently, the loss from uh, 41.5 mil last year has blown out to like 187 mil this year. So that's actually more than the, well, that's almost the revenue line. So the, the loss. So really, it's, it's a little bit like Mesoblast here in that um, it's a bit of a land grab for, um, yes. for you know, points bet. They're really basically aggressively going out there and trying to get all the licenses they can. Because it's, it's the, the US market is very different from the Australian market. You don't just sort of get one market, one license for Australia and then you can get all the states. In America, you've got to go state by state. So there's and the states are still working through their regulatory framework yeah. when it comes to sports betting as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the moment, um, points bet have got um, New York, Vegas, Virginia. So they've got some of the big markets there. Mm -hmm. They've also got a, um, a you know, um, NFL approved sports book operator as well. So they've sort of, they've been getting out, they've got some good licenses. They've, they're starting to get the, the land grab going getting some good um, JVs with all the key sort of um, sports groups. So Partnered with NBC Sports. Yep, so building up a nice sort yeah. of uh, backing there. Massive market, massive market there, but it's coming at a cost Got here. Got to spend big. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those ones here, it's just sort of, it's coming out of a bit of pressure. They're, Kevin's right here, they, they may, at that sort of uh, net loss, that sort of spend, there's a good chance they might have to go to market and raise some more money. Um, but. But do you always, so this is sort of a philosophical question or yeah. you know, strategic question, do you always mind when companies come to raise capital? Because if you've invested in a company and they hit a milestone, yeah. it is a potential that they might need cash to progress to the next, right? Like it's not by default negative if a company yeah. raises well, cash. The market chooses its path. Okay. So, the, so the, the stock, so the stock can basically say, okay, we're just gonna grow, you know, slowly and mm -hmm. you know, profitably and, and as we, make more money, we'll keep acquiring there, or we can go with this, we're gonna raise as much money as we can, 
try and get a big market price. If we're going to spend everything we've got mm -hmm. just to try and get our footprint in the market. Might sacrifice a little bit of the P&L mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the one or two years. Hopefully our shareholders will stay with us and then, then we'll cycle the change. So the cycle will change here for points bet, but is there, is there more to go here? The fact that there's probably a little bit more spend to go here mm -hmm. um, might put a bit more pressure on the stock, but I, I do think this is one stock to keep an eye on here because when the cycle changes here, um, they stop spending as much money <laughs> to get ahead here. And once, once they've sort of if got their- If they get the, if, yeah, it, if it all comes to yeah. fruition. I think so they're planting the seeds here for the future, but it, it's at a fair cost as well. So it's you would a, not be buying it it's now. Tough one, yeah. We've seen Mesoplast had some great moves in its stock price, mm -hmm. and then had to go to, and then had to raise money, raise money, raise money, and all of a sudden the share price comes off quite a lot. So, well, point, you seem to be begging to yeah. talk about Mesoplast. So, um, no, no, I don't know if not you, really. Uh, I just think <laughs> I think it's quite similar because Mesoplast really is sort of it is planting its stakes in the ground in the stem cell mm -hmm. so that they can lock up knees and back and all the different areas and become own those markets. So PointsBet's doing the same thing. They're trying to own each of those markets, those different well, areas. Well, Novartis so, gave yeah. it the big rejection today, uh, pulled back on a joint venture. It's yeah. down by 16.4% 16, right now. Yeah. The Mesa Blast we're talking about oh, okay. here. So, yeah. you know, very, very volatile um, yeah. stock. So we will not be buying PointsBet today, nor at Team Invest, nor at Novus Capital. All right, let's get to number nine on our list, Dalrymple Bay Infrastructure. This is for Brett. Hi, Brett. Hope you're watching. Let's get a view from Kevin Robinson at Team Invest. Yep. Thanks, Nadine. Uh, I think you know what I'm going to say here. But uh, yes, in terms of capital raising, your philosophical point, we, we like capital raisings if they're good for if they're for what we consider to be a good purpose or a purpose that is beneficial. A good example of that was Credit Corp during uh, COVID when they did a capital raising to buy a debt ledger. Um, and, you know, for us, that was uh, that was a, a capital raising that we supported. So we don't always think they're bad, for sure. I, I agree with you there. Dalrymple Bay, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you today and probably not uh, contribute to your portfolio at all today, I think. Uh, it's got very, very short history. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so really, uh, from our point of view, we've got no real numbers to work with. The numbers that come up are the return on equity, return on capital are too low, return on equity is negative. But with that shorter history, uh, it, it's really hard uh, from our, using our methodology, it's really hard to actually come to any conclusion at all. So not for us right now. Thank you. What about you, Gary? Yeah, so it's unlike Wagner's, this is not very eco-friendly, so it's, uh, so it's in that sort yeah. of um, coal export facility, so it's the port infrastructure and services in, um, in Bowen, the Bowen Basin, Queensland, so, All um, yeah, so, so it's a billion dollar market cap, so pretty, pretty large mm -hmm. there. is a bit, bit high, sort of around that sort of 25 currently, um, forecast to grow about 14% next year, which puts on about 22 times, but as Kevin said, it's, it's only pretty new here, so a bit of a new asset, so um, the thing I do like about it is that um, I think Brookfield's infrastructure partners own about 50% of the stock. QIC owns about the other 10%. So 60% of the shares are held by uh, pretty pretty tight mm -hmm. ownership there. But yeah, I don't know. It's not too hard for me. I just I'm just not. I, I don't know how you value these assets. I know sort of some of the infrastructure assets have been viewed quite positively and mm -hmm. been a lot of take of it. But I don't think this one's going to meet uh, like a lot of investments are looking. You know that sort of. ESG. Yeah, clean. so it's not going to be in that area. So we'll the super funds as well. Um, yeah. All right, so that is Dorimple Bay for you, Brett. It's a no go. 
let's get PWR Holdings. Now this is for Vince specifically saying, can we ask Team Invest thoughts on PWR? Boy, I hope you've prepped for this one, Kevin. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, yes, thank you, Vince. Um, <laughs> it's, it's nice of you to think of us, definitely. <laughs> um, yes, this, this automotive dealership group, and they listed recently, um, and they, they, uh, they're a generally a, a solid, they've been trading for over 60 years, but a solid in the sense that they've, they've got a whole range of automotive. So they, they sell used cars, they sell new cars, and they do servicing, obviously, and, and parts as well. Um, so it, it's an integrated automotive group, a dealership group. Uh, and on the... The numbers, obviously, short history, we can't really uh, calculate anything for that. Uh, the return on capital, return on equity is uh, too low for us at this stage. Like I say, our calculations can't be reliable at this stage with that shorter history of being listed. Obviously, they've got a longer history of being unlisted. Um, and the debt is, is too high for us. Um, I mean, looking forward, the automotive dealership uh, is has in general has been going through a bit of disruption there's obviously supply chain issues and so forth and it looks like there's going to be some interesting times coming up for them from my point of view as well you've got electric vehicles coming in what's going to happen there you've got uh, longer term horizon self-driving vehicles how is that going to affect uh, the traditional sales model and the traditional business model of these of these businesses so that's a that's a question that I would be asking myself and, and keeping an eye on all of those sorts of things and how this particular business manages to negotiate through all of that that sort of situation. Um, so like I say for us, it's not on our not on our radar at the moment uh, based on the figures. Thank you. Do we see anything in the charts? Yeah, look we see that uh that it's up, it's on 50 times earnings. We see that, and the charts is telling us that. So it's basically had a rip roaring run there from like 250 mm -hmm. there in early 2020, hitting what over $10 there recently. So pretty stretched. Um, look, great business now. I think the revenue line was up 20%, so 79 mil versus 65 mil previous year. And Pat's around 16 versus 13, so up about just under 30. So look, good business, nice and clean. Um, good numbers there, but 869 mil market cap, 50 times earnings, a little, little pricey up here. So um, trading on the back of actually having a, just a cracking run here mm -hmm. and uh, the business has been very successful here. Employing lots of people, still growing, um, got, expecting good, to, good growth in aerospace and, and defense capabilities. So, but it just looks like the price has got ahead of itself here to me. So mm -hmm. um, maybe one to keep an eye on their pulls back. Kevin makes some great points there actually around um, around the whole makeup of cars changing actually. So mm -hmm. how, how will that impact this company there? Because they do sort of aero cooling sort of for yeah. that, uh, that market there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see whether that, because a lot of people saying, a lot of people are suggesting that a lot less parts go into electric vehicles. So um, be interesting. Traditional parts. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with the cooling products, whether that's um, anything changes there. Good, all right. So that is a no for the last on the list. Now I will just sum up what we've learned in the second half of the program. 
And we'll start with Kathmandu. It is a not right now. It has passed the Team Invest filters in the past, but uh, Kevin Robinson says he's got some questions about it. Um, Gary wouldn't touch it right now. He worries about some of the big macro headlines. Um, yeah, on the technicals, potentially look to buy around $1.20 or it could fall to that. So he's not looking at Kathmandu. Now, when it comes to Seven Group, again, Gary says it's an avoid. The technicals are not great. It's not expensive, but you want to wait and see how this Boral acquisition um, and big stake that it has gets nutted down. Look, it's got high debt in the view of Team Invest and the overall stability of the company and its earnings has not been good, so it's a no. It's a no for points bet from Team Invest. It is a no for Gary. The revenue is growing beautifully, but they've had to spend big time to do so. Looking at a capital raise, one to keep an eye on, but not to buy now. Dorimple Bay Infrastructure, a no from both of my guests. PWR Holdings, it is a no from Gary. It's too expensive, looking stretched right now, not on the radar for Team Invest. So that was for you, Vince. That takes us to the end of the program. I'd like to thank my guest who is joining us remote from Melbourne. Team Invest's Kevin Robinson, thank you for spending the hour with us. Great to have you join us and give us your insights as always. Been a, been a pleasure, Nadine. Thank you. We'll speak soon. And uh, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Always nice to see you thank in the you. studio. Nice yeah. to have a chat. It's been a while. Yes. And uh, if I don't see you yeah. before Christmas, have a really great one. Uh, look, that brings us to the end of the program. I mentioned it earlier, but we do endeavor to get to all of your questions as quickly as we can and get them to the appropriate people as well. You can email us at the call osbiz.com.au and you can check out that portfolio. Thanks to NabTrade, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.